0: Green Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swing on the way. It's good. It is well with my stolen Montgomery.
1: Georgia Southern wins. All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We're joined today by Mike Anthony of the Statesboro Herald. Uh, We're going to talk some Eagle football with Mike as Southern prepares to host Coastal Carolina at 3 o'clock on Saturday inside of Paulson Stadium. Uh, It's been 16 days since Georgia Southern last played a football game. By the time uh, that they kick off against Coastal, it'll, it'll have been 16 days. Of boredom, so those those days are close to expiring. So we'll dive into the Southern storylines this week, uh, including injuries to Jacob Cooper, Monquavi and Brinson, Logan Wright, um, and kind of reading between the lines when it comes to what Lunsford said about each of those. Uh, We'll talk about the backfield in general. Now that uh, Logan Wright is out, and we'll break down the Coastal matchup, which I, I you know I think is really critical for Georgia Southern in a lot of different ways. Um, And then the episode closes with my interview uh, with Alan Blondin of the Myrtle Beach Sun News. Uh, He covers Coastal for the Sun News in Myrtle Beach and kind of will give us a scouting report on the three and three Chanticleers as they come in. Uh, Mike, first off, what do we feel about Chanticleers as a mascot?
2: Uh, You know, I think the name's a little bit weird, but uh, it's it's a fighting bird. I can get behind it.
1: That's you know, that's an interesting take, Mike. I would expect nothing less from you. Um Listen, I want to start this week right off the rip. Mike, I hope this is cool with you, but I gotta say, you hear me complain about this every single time we're in the Paulson press box this year, which is twice, but still. On Saturday, will someone please play the Mo Bamba song? You were ten and three last season. You beat App Anarch at home, and you played Mo Bamba every time, every home game last season. This year we're getting You know, a a clown's playlist, uh, Old Country Road, Old Town Road, whatever that song is called. I'm sick of that one. Um, And the season has not gone great so far, so maybe try some Mo Bamba. Uh, We can talk about blocking, tackling, uh, all that kind of lame stuff, but really I think it comes down to Mo Bamba. Mike, uh, what's your take on the uh, Paulson Stadium soundtrack? Let's start with the real heavy-hitting questions.
2: Well, I I would say that... uh of many things that you give me credit for knowing, I will say that I have no shortage of blind spots when it comes to pop culture. Uh, I couldn't tell you what a better choice would be. That's um, true. I, maybe, I mean, Obama was fine. I think everybody got into it, but if there's one thing I can say about you young people, it's that nothing apparently is allowed to be entertaining or at the forefront of pop culture for more than about, 15 minutes with the way social media works nowadays. So I just think it would be a social faux pas if you used the same hype song two years in a row. I don't know well, what you would use instead. I guess this Old Town Road, I- I've heard that it's popular. It's selling some hits, but I can also get behind your point of they're not winning with it.
1: Well, there you go, kiddos. There's Mike Anthony telling you to get off his lawn, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't win any part of it. I do remember, uh, Mike, do you remember at the Camellia Bowl what they played like three or four different times was it uh, uh, God bless America?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think for the bowl games they have to be like as neutral. They might even have to be like royalty free music for all I know.
1: It was the most ridiculous song choice like in the most critical parts of the game, you know, we were hearing uh you know God bless America, which you know, I can get behind that America. Uh on that note, this game this weekend for Georgia Southern is Military Appreciation Day or kind of weekend I guess in the states for also. You know, obviously, it goes without saying. Um, you know how much we appreciate the sacrifices of all those people. Let's jump right into um, some injury news from Georgia Southern. Uh, by now, if you're listening to this, you know that Jacob Cooper, the redshirt senior center, um, is out for the season and 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 I guess you know for his career. He's now listed already on the Georgia Southern roster as a student assistant coach. Um, that sucks for Georgia Southern. That sucks for Cooper, obviously. But for the immediate future, and especially for Georgia Southern's offensive line, this is a gut punch, I think, Mike. You know, with, with losing Brian Miller in the preseason, you already lost uh, Jeremiah Colbert and Curtis Rainey from graduation last year. Uh, losing Jacob Cooper is monumental. And just to kind of give you a sense as to, you know, the razor thin depth that Georgia Southern has at the offensive line, uh, you got Aaron Dowdell starting at guard and also listed as the backup center now behind Peyton Backer. Um, So that kind of shows you what Georgia Southern has, you know, along the front right now. They're going to have to piece it together with O-line coach Ron Hudson and, you know, try to figure it out. But Mike, when you heard the news about Cooper, I guess, you know, what crossed your mind and generally moving forward for Georgia Southern, how, how does this Cooper injury affect the offensive line and the offense as a whole?
2: Well, it's definitely a little bit surprising, you know, uh, You find out just before the uh, uh, last couple of games that he's out with concussion, but nothing really more was said as to the severity of it, other than what was it on Saturday after Louisiana? uh, Coach Swinford said he had already been ruled out for South Alabama, and you get that it's on the short week, it's a travel game, but then you don't hear anything else until right after, you know, saying he's still out, and now it's like, well, what really happened? And then you hear a word like medically disqualified, which I don't know about you, but that sounds serious. Uh, Yeah,
1: that sounds legit. That sounds legit. Yeah,
2: yeah. If I'm if I'm being told by a doctor that I'm medically disqualified, I know something's not right. But as far as what it does for the rest of the line, you're right. It's uh, razor thin in terms of game experience. Uh, I I do think that they found a silver lining in that Peyton Backer was uh, serviceable, if not outright decent against South Alabama and getting the snaps and executing his blocks. And you mentioned Dowdell. I think that that, they really need a backer to step up because Dowdell, even if they could have gotten him to get the snaps a little more consistent, I think he's a lot more important important to them in terms of what he can do blocking-wise from uh, his guard position rather than under center. So you get somebody that can get the job done at center, you let one of your uh, initial starters start uh, continue to start at his preferred position at least that gives the line something it's not much but you have some sort of continuity that you thought you'd have going into the season uh, as for the rest of it the, the one thing I guess I could say that they have to work with is that if you look at the depth chart there's not a lot of snaps uh there outside of the, uh, the couple of starters remaining Right. Yeah. but you do have you do have uh a lack of freshmen I think there's only one freshman on the two deep Everybody else is a sophomore, a couple of juniors, a sixth-year senior in Edwards. So if nothing else, they've had most of a college career's worth of practices, weight training, conditioning. They're at least used to uh, uh, people with the same conditioning level as them uh, running into them, whether it's in practice or in games. So at least you're not throwing out a bunch of undersized 18-year-olds.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess to that end, you know, Georgia Southern now loses their really their leader along that line. Mike, and I, we don't really need to dive too deep into what that means when you lose kind of the leader of the unit. Um, but, but now it's kind of, you know, someone's going to need to step up. And Drew Wilson, obviously on the right side of right tackle, ha- has kind of been there and done that. But, it, you know, it just doesn't, you know, he won't be able to slot into the role that Cooper was as far as leadership and stuff like that goes. I don't know that anybody will, especially at this point in the season but you know that's something to monitor and you know that's something that coach Lunsford talked about a lot this week in his teleconference and in his press conference Monday in Statesboro was we heard a lot about rhythm about consistency about gelling stuff like that with the offense and now that Cooper's out um you know that is going to be interesting to watch mike i guess you know did you see anything uh, or hear anything in, in the press conference you know, off the rip that you, that you wanted to get to, I, you know, I heard, you know, the thing that kind of stuck out to me was Lunsford's comments about seeing a little, quote, spice on Saturday uh, versus Coastal Carolina. He basically said that, you know, with Logan, and it was your question, actually, that he was responding to that. Do you remember what I'm talking about?
2: I ask great questions,
1: of course I do, Travis. Of course, you know, excellent, excellent conversation pieces, and that is what you're known for. But, but he's talked about, um, you know, the guys kind of behind uh, King, Kennedy, and LaRoche. Um, he also talked about, you know, who would fill Logan Wright's void. That was Logan or uh, JD King. But um, you know, just before we start on this, let's let you guys listen to what. Coach Lunsford had to say after hearing Mike's profound question. Here's Coach Lunsford.
0: So to answer your question, you know, yes, losing Logan Wright, that hurts. That guy's a leader. That's a guy guy's put in a lot of time for us. But you also, if you watch J.D. King, I think J.D. King's getting better each and every game. Um, I think J.D. King's a guy that can step up and really fill that role. Um, I think J.D. King is a back that gets more carries. He gets better as the game goes on. So, obviously, with this injury, I think that gives him that opportunity. Um, obviously, though, with Logan going down, we've got to make sure that we've got our right depth uh, at running back. And so, you know, we're really looking hard at, at Jared Daniels and we're really, really looking hard at Gerald Green and, um, you know, seeing what those guys can do for us. So you may see, a you know, a new uh, spice to it uh, as far as uh, who's running the football. But J.D. King's the guy that we're going to,
1: Try to get going in Logan's place. All right, so there's Lunsford, um, you know, kind of mentioning some guys behind King Kennedy and LaRoche. He mentioned Gerald Green and Jared Daniels there, so that kind of gives you a hint as to where Georgia Southern would go potentially after Matty LaRoche. But I, I think more importantly, the soundbite that you know, triggered me there was thing about seeing a little spice on Saturday. And, you know, that is something that Georgia Southern fans have been clamoring for. And, you know, that kind of excited me a little bit, Mike, hearing that. What did you take from from Lunsford's presser in general, and especially that, you know, that kind of portion of it?
2: Yeah, I think that when he says spice, maybe it's a little bit ambiguous. A lot of people will hear that and they might think, you know, more, more uh, triple option coming, more pitches coming, more Uh, motion and action and people running every which way and that could be to me I think what he's getting at is that you know the guys who are still healthy now that they have Wes Kennedy back they they know that they're going to rely on J.D. King a a little bit more now if LaRoche is good to go they know that they've trusted him with uh, plenty of carries before so to me I think that that spice comment means that they would rather ride those guys that have proven uh, that they can handle the uh, load that they've work their way onto the field he mentioned you know those uh, two guys in green and daniels as a means to make sure that the depth that they needed was there so the way i kind of read into it was those are guys, the guys are the next man up but they would rather have it going into the hands of kennedy and king and uh LaRoche. and so the spice might come from having to get it into their hands in maybe some different ways than they've traditionally done it they they aren't just going to have the same plays drawn up to the same guys. I think that they're first going to test the waters and on the different ways that they can move the ball with the guys that they want before turning uh, farther down the depth turn.
1: Well, let me ask you this just for my own sanity, Mike. You don't think that when Lunsford mentions those guys that they're now going to be, you know, kind of three, four, five, six carry uh, per game type guys because if we're adding more guys to this backfield... And more distribution, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. So tell me that's not what you're thinking Lunsford's being. I
2: I don't think so. And I think that if that's what happens, you'd have to, you know, use Lunsford's own comments against him. You just mentioned about him talking about consistency and getting in sync and gelling. It's tough to do that when, you know, you might get one good run in the first quarter and you don't touch it again until the third. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, speaking of consistency, let's get the game plan a little bit more consistent.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, Uh, Other injuries, I guess, Mike, Monquavie and Brinson, we know that he did not practice at all last week. And as we record this on Tuesday uh, morning, you know, Lunsford was hopeful yesterday that Brinson would be able to practice today, Tuesday, um, with the weather being as bad as it is. Georgia Southern has had to kind of adjust some things as far as their practice schedule for today on Tuesday. Um, So haven't heard yet whether Brinson has practiced or not. Um, but I, I think for Georgia Southern, it would be you know a, a, a big blow if Brinson doesn't play, and then, you know that's pretty obvious, I guess. But without Brinson, now everyone slots up, and and assuming you know, I'm assuming here that it would be Jesse Liptrot that would then um, take over the second cornerback, and you can imagine if you have Kendall Vildor on one side. And as, you know, as solid as Jesse Liptrod is, and I, I do think he's a solid player, if you're given the choice between Liptrod and Vildor, you can imagine which way Coastal Carolina is going to aim most of the time. So I, I guess, Mike, for you, have you heard, seen uh, anything that would lead you to believe Brinson is or isn't playing on Saturday? Or is it another one of these words, day-to-day, just wait-and-see type things?
2: Yeah, I, I think that uh, you know they're not going to put him in a spot where um, you know, they can jeopardize the rest of the season. But now you're getting to the point where you look at the record, you look at the standings, you look at what you want to accomplish this season. And now that uh, that leeway gets a a little bit uh, bigger for when that guy needs to get back out on the field and uh, try to go. So uh, I think, for instance, it's probably not a good sign that he hasn't practiced at all uh, in the last, what, 13 days now since he got injured. Right. So to right. me... You know, you, you say day to day, but when you say that he's going to get back out on the practice field on Tuesday, even if that's true, you know, what does that mean out on the practice field? Does that mean jogging around? Does that mean full participation? You know, it could just be that the little bit of participation this week is in hopes of building, it up, building them up to next week. So tough to tell. Um, you know, it's definitely Georgia Southern's prerogative to to keep people Not necessarily in the dark, but, you know, cloudy on the status of everybody, especially as big of a piece as Brinson. And you mentioned Liptrod. I think that he's going to be fine. I think he's had a good year. Uh, He's definitely one of the more improved guys in the secondary. But this is a coastal team that mixes it up. Uh, You're going to miss if he doesn't play Brinson's ability to come up and stop the run. Uh, You know, the coast will be a little bit tricky and try to go over the top as well. So tough spot to be in if you're getting your first start of the year at a corner.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and luckily Lip Trot's a veteran and kind of, you know, has been around, but uh, that's a tough ask for sure. And something tells me that Lunsford and, and Scott Sloan, the defensive coordinator, already have a really, really firm idea whether Brenton plays or not. We aren't privy to that information, but I, I highly doubt that they would wait, um, you know, until install uh, or until, you know, walkthroughs um, later this week. To let Jesse Liptrod know that uh, you know you're getting the run this Saturday. Uh, for me, you know, if I had to lean one way or the other, I'm saying Brinson plays um, strictly because of the importance of this game. And let's just jump right into uh, um, one more Lunsford kind of clip and soundbite and something I wanted to talk about, Mike. This Logan Wright injury, which you know, four to six weeks. We know that right now, minimum with a neck injury, but uh wanna let the folks listen to what Coach Lunsford had to say about Logan Wright uh on Monday and listen to how cautious he is and I guess, you know, how adamant he is that after this four to six week time frame, then Wright will be reevaluated. Usually that that kind of part of it isn't stressed as much as as Lunsford stressed it here so that leads me to believe that that Logan Wright's injury may be you know far lengthier as far as the timeline for return it may be far lengthier than four to six weeks here's what coach Lunsford had to say about uh, Logan Wright
0: Uh, we will definitely miss him Um, Logan Wright uh, got hurt in this last game uh, hurt his neck Uh, really can't go into a lot of details but uh, right now, he's a four to six weeks and be reevaluated at that time, and then we'll see where it goes from there.
1: All right, so there you hear Lunsford sounding very, very cautious and calculated there. What else is new? Um, and, you know, I think for me, Mike Logan Wright is so important for this program moving forward, even beyond this year. Um, if you lose a guy like him, you know, obviously you have King to take carries, but if you lose a guy like Wright, and kind of someone that's that you can plug right in and, you know, no pun intended, a guy that you can plug in, you know, next season and can kind of bring other guys along, kind of show them the ropes and be a veteran in in the running back room. Next year, J.D. King will still only have been in Statesboro for less than two years. So um, I think keeping on the safe side is Ultra important with Logan Wright. Do you get the sense, Mike, or I guess do you see what I'm kind of getting at with Lunsford's comments about Logan Wright and kind of that reevaluation after the four to six weeks?
2: Yeah, that um, when I heard that last uh, part of it, reevaluate, you know, that was an add on uh, a week ago after the South Alabama game. They released that injury report on Monday saying four to six weeks uh, with a neck injury. Didn't say anything about uh, being reevaluated, but I was right with you when I heard that. You know, that means, you know, if you, if you reevaluate, even if you say, okay, we're on the right track, but you're going to need to build back up, get back into game shape. Well, if that takes more than six weeks, you're looking at what? Maybe a, a bowl appearance if they, if they make it to one. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, no specifics given other than it's with his neck. So who knows what that could be. Definitely not a part of your body you want to mess around with. That's a, uh, literally and, uh, metaphorically a long way from, you know, playing on an injured leg like Monclavian Brinson might be doing, but yeah, I, I'm with you. You can't risk, uh, that's one guy that you really can't risk moving forward. Uh, he's someone that you can build this offense around for the next year or two. So, uh, hopefully not as bad as they, they fear it is. And hopefully when he's reevaluated, even if it's a scenario where. Uh, he can't play the rest of the season. Hopefully, they'll see that things are progressing like they wanted to, and that eventually he will be able to get back up to full speed.
1: Yeah, and Mike, I know you're well aware. Uh, the great rapper slash poet ODB did tell us to protect your neck, so uh, Logan Wright should definitely follow that information. That's a reference that's way way over. Mike Anthony's said, I guarantee it.
2: Uh, uh, I mean, I know that I can't, you know, give the entire name of ODB. Pursuing well, the FCT. Yeah. that's the kind well, of thing you got to clear with what's Brian Johnson on this
1: first. podcast yeah yeah I don't know I don't even think I'm privy to the kind of ratings that we would get uh five stars only people um listen Mike we we could jump we could jump all the way in uh to Coastal Carolina but I think we'll let Alan Blondin um do that for us on this next segment but I'll give you the four Georgia Southern favored by six and a half uh at the time of this recording over under 50 total points uh, you know, which puts the projected score from Vegas, who is almost always right, um, kind of in the in the Georgia Southern high 20s, Coastal Carolina low to mid 20s. That sounds about right to me. Um, I think important in this game for me quickly is uh, special teams. I think Wes Kennedy needs to uh, be involved in this game a lot on the kickoff and punt returns. Coastal Carolina is dead last in the league um in terms of kick return coverage and punt return coverage they're also near the bottom of the league in touchbacks so kennedy should get plenty of opportunities a matter of, if he'll he'll be able to do something and it doesn't necessarily need to be touchdowns now but if if Georgia southern can can make some plays in the special teams and have an average starting field position of say the you know their own 35 40 instead of their own you know, 2025, I think that will do wonders for this Georgia Southern team. And I do think Georgia Southern takes care of business this Saturday um, in Paulson Stadium and kind of gives all of you guys, all of you fans, what you've been waiting to see and what I've been waiting to see too. Um, and that's a four-quarter performance. Something tells me uh, this is the week for Georgia Southern to finally do that uh, for the first time since December 15th last year at the Camellia Bowl. Um, Mike, I'll let you finish uh, before we go to Alan Blondin, kind of your thoughts on the Coastal game coming up.
2: I think it's going to be possibly a little tougher than the the spread would indicate. Uh, I think the Coastal Carolina's offense is shown to be pretty explosive at times, whereas Georgia Southern's hasn't. Now, Georgia Southern shut down a decent Coastal offense last year uh, up in Conway, but I think that they're going to hit a couple of big plays. That's been a sore spot for the Eagles. You saw it. Uh, two plays against South Alabama almost cost them the game, even when they were dominant uh, for the rest of the game. Only four first downs, and you're losing by seven in the final minutes. But I, I think that they do just enough to uh, to string in Coastal. I think that the offense, you know, people want to see the big plays, people want to see the points go up. I know I do. And what I would say is that coming into this season, the season, the people that were doubting Georgia Southern, the thing that they were saying was that luck. With turnovers last year, it just couldn't continue. The ball couldn't possibly continue to bounce their way every time. And to an extent, they're right. And it's shown that this year so far in the turnover battle. But I would argue that the same is becoming true with the offense. Some of it's self-inflicted with penalties, but the timing of bad snaps and the way that the ball is bouncing the wrong way and just the the gut punches that uh, take out drives and turn them into field goals or no points when it could be a touchdown just the the odds of uh, the law of probability states that it has to eventually go the other way at some point. So I do think that you see a few more big plays, even running behind a uh, an offensive line that's pretty much glued together, uh, duct taped together. I, I think that they still have the guys to make it happen. Uh, the skill players have a big day. I, I see Georgia Southern hanging on by less than a touchdown. It could come it could come down to another Tyler Bass field goal, which I know he couldn't do it because he missed the first one in overtime, but you know he wanted to celebrate that walk-off again. That guy, you can see him do the Pat McAfee strut down the sideline, can't you? Oh, yeah. it wouldn't surprise you in the least.
1: Oh, no. T-Bass is 100% for the brand. For the brand. All right, Mike, tell the people how to follow you. Uh, They are dying to hear your uh, musical takes, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You can can read me uh, on the Statesboro Herald. You can... Look online at statesforherald.com. We post videos up there, articles throughout the week, uh, during the game. You can catch me on Twitter at at heraldgsports. And on XM, you can find me in the 90s online.
1: All right, awesome. And as we're recording this, I'm seeing now Georgia Southern just got another 2020 commit uh, out of Athens, of all places. Jalen Jackson from Cedar Shoals High School, uh, three-star defensive end. Linebacker hybrid. So there's some breaking news for you, Mike. Um, for us, you can find everything we do with Georgia Southern on SavannahNow.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JadonSportsSMN. Email TJadon at SavannahNow.com. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe this podcast. Rate, subscribe it. Only rate it if you're going five stars, though, homies. You guys already know that. Uh, we'll see you next week and thanks for listening. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannanow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you, but go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannanow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click get our newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, we're now joined by Alan Blondin of the Myrtle Beach Sun News. Alan covers Coastal Carolina up in Myrtle Beach for the Myrtle Beach Sun News, and we got him on to kind of scout the Shana Clears for us ahead of this Saturday's game at Paulson Stadium with the 3 p.m. kickoff. Um, Alan, how are you today? Doing well, thank you. All right, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, what we first want to do, Alan, is kind of just give all of our listeners, uh, you know, uh, kind of an overview of Coastal Carolina and, and what they should expect at 3 p.m. Uh, this Saturday at Paulson Stadium. So Coastal comes in 3-3. Three and three. If you could kind of just catch us up uh, generally on the team and kind of how Coastal has looked thus far to you.
3: Yeah, well, they, they, uh, they started out the season at home against Eastern Michigan, um, you know, bowl team from last year. It was a, a winnable game. They lost by seven, uh, 30 to 23. Um, but they, they looked like a team that was capable of beating, uh, you know, a, a team from a bowl game the previous year. Uh, they won their next three games. That included going to Kansas and winning uh, at Kansas at 12 to 7, which is their first ever win over uh, a Power Five conference opponent. So they got that in, the, uh, in their bag this year. Um, also defeated an FCS team, and then they uh, they beat a UMass team that's um, that's struggling mightily this year. So they started out three and one. Um, they went to Boone to face Appalachian State, which was a predictable uh, about a twenty point loss. And right. then, uh, yeah, I mean they're they're not they're probably not at the level to go in the half in Boone and and win that game. And then uh, last week against Georgia State. Um, it was another probably winnable game. They they played actually fairly poorly. Um, they're without a ton of players right now to injury, and that probably contributed uh, to a thirty-one to twenty-one loss in their uh, home conference opener against uh, Georgia State. So they come in at three and three. You know, after the three and one start, there was uh, some optimism um, that maybe they were. Uh, you know, they're only in their third year of FBS, really. They're Mm-hmm. They're just completing the transition now. So, you know, they they should still be a little bit behind in the conference to the other team. So, um, you know, that 3-1 start gave them some optimism. They're 0-2 in the conference. They now have a six-game losing streak in the conference. So uh, that's going to be their first. first order of business uh, this weekend would be to to get, get uh, over that six-game winning streak and try to build some momentum in the conference.
1: Yeah, and you just touched on it, I guess, a little bit with the injuries. You know, I guess simply put, is Coastal going to come into Statesboro, you know, extremely beat up or, or extremely healthy? Are they going to be getting a key guy back or anything that, that we should be aware of? Or is it kind of, you know, just wait and see?
3: Yeah, they're pretty banged up. They had, a, they had an open week um, before they went to App State, and they have an open week after the Georgia Southern game. Um, and they hope to get some players back after that next open week. But coming into uh, Statesboro, they're, they're pretty banged up. They're, they're probably going to be without three uh, offensive line starters. Um, that's been a, a big issue, obviously. You know, they, they only ran for 105 yards last week, and they're a run-first uh, run uh, offense. So, you know, missing those three offensive linemen uh, is really a big deal. Without, you know, some key guys on defense as well. Up on the ground last week to Georgia State. So, um, they're still banged up. Um, they may get their nose tackle back this week, but, uh, they'll still be without those offensive line guys. Uh, they're missing a couple linebackers, a safety, all these guys that would normally play pretty significant minutes. So, um, yeah, I would, I would, I would term them as pretty banged up coming into the game.
1: Yeah, damn, that's wild because Georgia Southern has a couple of injuries, but I mean, after hearing that, you know, I guess Georgia Southern fans, you hear that it could be worse. So that that's a lot, that's a lot of injuries, but still, I mean, Chadwell and this team, three and three, that's at least you know a decent start and kind of a platform that they could potentially, uh, you know, build off of Uh, offensively, Alan, this team, you know, kind of slots in to the middle to uh, upper middle uh, level of Sunbelt in in terms of statistics. I guess for you, a guy that's seen a lot of coastal football, uh, is the offense, um, you know, as good or as bad as it has looked so far or kind of what has this offense been like with uh, Fred Payton and Bryce Carpenter kind of sharing time at quarterback?
3: Yeah, Jamie's done that. Jamie Chadwell, the head coach, he's, he's done that in the past. And when he was the offensive coordinator here before taking over head coach this year, he's not afraid to go with the two quarterback system. So, um, you know, they both provide a little something different. Uh, Fred's more of the thrower and Bryce is more of the runner though. Both will do either. Um, and they run a spread option offense. And again, as I mentioned earlier, they like to be run first out of it. They, they'd probably like to be 60 40 run would be my guess if uh, Jamie could have his druthers on that um, they you know they've been fairly consistent I mean they've putting up they were putting up 36 a game before being held to 21 last week um, and again I think a lot of that had to do with the offensive line they started a, a kid at left tackle a true freshman that weighs 250 pounds um, which is wow <laughs> unordinary in this conference I'm sure Um but uh no they've, they've got a really good running back and uh cj marable um he's a he's a talented kid they've got some talent wide receiver they've got several wide receivers that are that are pretty talented they've got a really good tight end and isaiah likely uh, they like him a lot a sophomore um, who's pretty skilled and, ta- and athletic um, and the quarterbacks you know it's it, they've had good days they've had bad days that, that they haven't really elevated the, the offense, I would say this year. But they are capable if they're having a good day of uh, of putting up some points. You know, thirty six per game going in the last week is evidence. So, and again, you're going to get a lot of looks from them. They run a lot of motion in the backfield. They run a lot of crossers. Uh, a lot of you know, guys that are either going to get an end around or fake an end around. And then, so you're, you're looking at uh, you know you got to play. Um, on defense, if you're Georgia Southern, you've got to be very disciplined and not let your eyes fool you.
1: And I guess one more thing on the offense. If you had to classify their tempo, you know, some teams are, are really high up tempo, no huddle, uh, you know, running 80, 85 plays a game. Some teams like Georgia Southern, the exact opposite, um, you know, huddling every time in between plays. Is Coastal's offensive tempo heavily leaning one way or the other, or is it just kind of right down the middle?
3: It's kind of in between. They um they'll like to stand there at the line of scrimmage and, and throw the plays in without having to huddle. Right. But they're not usually running a play, you know, every ten seconds or anything. So they they like to keep the defense, you know, standing there and, and on their toes, but they're not gonna be running like App State ran, you know, as soon as the ball was placed they were they were snapping it. They're not gonna be that quick, but they do wanna be a little faster than uh, a huddle and using up play clock.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And that, that's something I've seen from Coastal kind of briefly in the couple of games that I've seen them. And that's something that's definitely given Georgia Southern a lot of trouble this year. Teams that kind of keep uh, the same defense on the field uh, for three, four five plays in a row. Um, you know, even if you're not going fast, if you're, if you're no huddle, it's kind of tough. To substitute defensively um, on that front. So I'm interested to see that. Um, defensively, Coastal looks to be pretty solid this year. I mean, I know they're number one in the conference in pass defense, uh, number one in total defense, um, I guess, for you, and, and number three in scoring defense as well. Um, for you, Alan, is this defense legit or, you know, is it they've had a good start to the season? Kind of what do you see from that side of the ball for Coastal?
3: Yeah, well, they got off to a really good start, uh, you know. Through four games, they were ranked eighth in the nation um, in, in uh, total uh, defense, yards allowed. Um, the last three weeks, they, they, they held their first three opponents under 300 yards each. Um, so they got off to a very good start. Um, a few injuries. You know, it's a, it's a brand-new offense. Uh, defensive coordinator, first of all, this year. And Chad Staggs, uh, who came, he had been with Jamie at tra- Charleston Southern and Jamie's last stop as a head coach before coming here um so they were familiar with each other but chad had come in um in february as a defensive line coach um then coastal lost their defensive coordinator went took another job in the summer so he, he didn't have much time to work and they really reacted very well to it you know holding the first three opponents on the 300 the last three weeks the opponents have started to um move the ball on that defense and they're you know coastal again they're being young, being young to FBS, um, their depth isn't what it would be. They're still not at 85 scholarships. So when they lose a player or two, a key linebacker like Silas Kelly, uh, they were without a key nose tackle senior Clemson transfer Sterling Johnson on the defensive line last year, last week. Uh, when they lose a couple of those guys, they really don't have the people to replace them. Yeah. And it starts to show. and. So they've uh you know last three weeks they've been giving up a lot more yardage they give up 350 on the ground last week which um you know you're not going to win a whole lot of ball games yeah. doing that so, so you know I guess, you know they changed their scheme there are three four supposedly i mean they moved it they'll, they'll change it a bit but um um you know they they, they still have good statistics overall they're still capable um, but they have been getting uh, run over a little bit in the last couple of weeks.
1: All right, Alan, and we'll finish up with this. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You know, I, I, I would love a prediction from you, but I don't expect one if you don't have one. But kind of how do you see this weekend in Statesboro shaking out um, between Georgia Southern and coastal Carolina? Um, obviously two schools in the same conference, same division, and kind of in the same region of the country. You know, I think these two teams will be tied together for a while. Um, and especially once Coastal kind of starts getting their feet underneath them as a program. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in this matchup, in other words. But for you, this weekend, how do you think uh, it plays out in Statesboro between uh, Georgia Southern and Coastal?
3: Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't foresee either team running away from the other just based on what each one has done through the first, uh, you know, five, six games of the year. Um, you know, Georgia Southern obviously had a really good year last season. But they haven't lived up to that up to up to this point this year.
1: Right, and you know, having to go to
3: overtime against South Alabama, um, you know, obviously Coastal is at least at that level, if not even a little higher this year than that. So, um, I, as far as it, it, I, to me, it's kind of a toss-up. I haven't seen the the uh, the line on the game at this point as we speak, but uh, I bet it's going to be a close line, and uh, I would expect the game to follow along that same line.
1: Yeah, I think it's Georgia Southern minus five right now so getting five points which is kind of what I would expect it to be and, and who knows by the time game time comes it could drop you know even closer to that even uh, mark all right Alan well we appreciate you joining us do you want to let everyone know how they can follow you online and kind of read your stuff um yeah so our website
3: uh report for the Myrtle Beach Sun news so that's uh where myrtlebeachonline.com is our uh, is the Myrtle Beach Sun news website and uh I'm also on Twitter which is easy to find I post all my stories there and uh, a lot of coastal Carolina information that may not be in stories there. So you can look for that also. And that's just my name. And it's at Alan Blondin on Twitter.
1: Awesome, Alan. Appreciate you
3: joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Oh,
2: he will. Adrian
0: Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Swing.